podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable, location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Yo, welcome back to the pod, and I want to welcome you to a special new format for today's episode. I want to hear what you think about this one. Today's format comes from two places. Number one, if you heard a few weeks back, I've just been disappointed by the business books, the new business books I've been reading. I really wanted to up my game last year, and I bought a bunch of books, and it's like, man, a lot of these books just aren't delivering for me. And two, a really cool podcast I've been listening to that's inspired me to take a trip down memory lane with the boss man, take a look at some of the ideas that we still use on a daily basis in our business. So the show that got me thinking about this is made by Bill Simmons's company, The Ringer. It's called The Rewatchables. So you should check out this pod. Every week, they basically pull up a legendary film like The Godfather or Jaws, and they discuss why these movies made such an impact and what parts have aged the best and age the worst, and they also analyze them across a broad range of categories. I thought this would work great for business people. In fact, like it's not just an entertainment thing. Like These ideas are actually changing the way we run our business. So I thought it would be cool to do this for some books that we feel are classics and have stood the test of time in the business space. So as a hat tip to the folks over at The Ringer, we are going to call this new occasional series, The Rereadables. I got to say, we really had a blast with this first one. I hope you enjoy it. Let us know what you think of this format. Let us know what you'd like us to reread in the future. These episodes are designed to be a summary of the work and the ideas that have aged the best. For those of you who haven't read the book, this can serve as like a TLDR, too long, didn't read, summarization of the key ideas. For those of you that are fans and implementers of these ideas, follow along with us as we revisit these classic works. Today's episode is all about the concept of stress-free productivity, empowering you to get the most done on a day-to-day basis in your team. If you haven't read today's book, I promise you this book is going to be a game changer. Let's roll it. So we got so much to get into today. I'm excited. We are going to give a too long, didn't read summary of today's book. Today is the first installment of the Rereadables, featuring the 2001 publication by David Allen called Getting Things Done. This is probably the single most important book we have ever read in our business. And we're not talking about four-hour work week. We're not talking about Ultimate Sales Machine. We're not talking about Lynchpin by Seth Godin. We're talking about getting things done. Why is this book the one that I pointed to so many years ago? We're going to dive back into it today and see if that's still the case. By the way, Dan, by the book cover and Mr. David Allen's attire, you can definitely tell this is late 90s, early 2000. <laughs> We'll get into that in the what's age the worst category, boss man. (laughs) So getting things done 
has become such a classic Ian that we don't even say getting things done anymore. We say GTD. It's become a system. It's become a movement. It's been put into our culture. In fact, we say things on a daily basis in our businesses and in the sort of lifestyle business, remote work space that are GTD terms that people might not be aware of. The reason this book had such a big impact on culture, Ian, and really, if you're not a mid-2000s entrepreneur, if you're like generation whatever generation is now, it really kicked off a whole movement of productivity porn. This was like the original gangster material because it was the first book that really, I think, culturally addressed this idea of overload, of the lack of work-life balance. And it was the first book really written for knowledge workers. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it was really like the first book for information workers or knowledge workers specifically. Yeah, it really was. Where like this whole notion of productivity has changed from how many widgets can you stamp out a day? How many phone calls can you pump out a day? How much revenue can you create a day to... It's really more of like a decision-making model. Essentially, like how much information can you push along? Exactly. And how to categorize it, how to manage things like energy levels. And not in like a woo-woo way, but like in a, hey, like your day is defined by how many information decisions you can make and how many projects you can define and how many next actions you can complete. If you can have that stress-free clarity where you can execute, get things done, you're going to have a better business. So before we get into the categories today, I wanted to do an overview of the concepts in the book. No discussion of GTD can be had without what we're going to call, from now on, the chart. (laughs) It's so funny. We independently wrote down our answers to kind of this outline structure that we're going to go through. In my TLDR is the chart. And really, you know, if you understand the chart, you don't need to read the book. The book is about understanding the chart. The chart is ironically or not ironically named stuff. Just stuff. That's all it is. And so this isn't about projects. Nope. Necessarily. It could be your trip to Spain. It could be organizing your desk. It could be figuring out what's going to happen on the weekend. Like anything on your mind, all of the inputs of life and all that latent stuff on your mind right now that you're like, ah, maybe that's something worth thinking about or doing. That's stuff. And a lot of that stuff is what gets in the way of you doing meaningful things in your business because you're kind of, it's taking up RAM. That's the thesis of the book is that if you got all this stuff on your mind, it's harder to take effective action towards your goals. So there's a no to the right, and then the rest of it's a yes. And the question to be asked at the beginning is is it actionable? Right. If you're implementing the chart correctly, like the stuff would have arrived in your inbox. So let's clarify that, right? It's not like you can't say yes or no about stuff if it remains stuff. You have to turn it into an item in your inbox. So in GTD, there's this idea of kind of like the universal inbox where, you know, say you get a voicemail, like you write down a note and you put it into your inbox and your inbox starts to pile up. It's actually a really important point of the system here, Dan. And I think it's like one of the hardest still to do is basically because we have all these systems and processes and places where information pops up in our lives. What you actually do is if you get a voicemail 
and it says like, hey, do you want to go to the birthday party on Saturday night? Because there's not like a way to organize your physical and your digital life all in one place. Like you actually bring it into the physical world. So you write down birthday party and then you have a basically a bin on your desk or wherever you are and you write that down on a piece of paper and you put it on your in your inbox. Right. That's where all your stuff lives. And we'll talk about like how to like go through that and when to go through it, but essentially like everything virtually and physical goes in that bin. Let's just bring up a real example. Me and you've been planning a trip to Spain, right? And it, it sounds like a, it's a high quality thing, but there's a lot of moving parts to that project, right? It's like, when can you go? When can I go? What are the costs involved? And it's just like this kind of, ah, we're putting it off, we're putting it off. And that becomes a thing that goes into the inbox. And it's like, you need to process it through the wood chipper. And the promise is, is when you put it through the chart, that like this vague project of, oh man, I got to make travel plans. I got to get a visa. I have to do this. I have to do that. It becomes something that is part of a system and you can approach it in an effective, stress-free manner. You're going to define a time to process your inbox. And you know we've all talked about like inbox zero. This is a concept that comes from GTD. The idea is that you look at the inbox and you ask yourself the fundamental question of every item in your inbox. Is it actionable. That's the first part of the chart. And if the answer is no, you got three options and three options only. It goes to the trash. It goes to your someday maybe. And in modern contemporary parlance, we've also called this like a tickler file, or it goes to a reference. The system is clean. I'm already feeling less stressed, Ian. I'm already feeling less stressed. <laughs> <laughs> and if the answer is actionable is yes, then the question proceeds, what's the next action? What is the next action? This part has also become famous. And a lot of people don't know where this came from. A lot of these young kids, they don't go back to the source material, Ian. Will it take less than two minutes? If you define the next action, you've said, yes, it's actionable and it will take less than two minutes, you do it. That's GTD. And if you don't have like a sequence of two-minute time frame set aside, guess what? Don't process your inbox. If it won't take less than two minutes, your options are to delegate it or to defer it. And if you delegate it, then what happens? You put it at an at waiting file where you're going to be reminded in one week, in two months, in two hours to follow up with whoever you delegated it to. And one of the ways that I did this back in the day, Dan, was uh, I had Monday through Friday folders next to this inbox and I would just slip it in that, like, let's say, okay, I'm going to look at this on Thursday or oh, I've asked this person to do this. They said they're going to get back to me on Thursday. I'll put it in Friday just in case they don't have time and you know, I'll ping them on Friday. Yeah. And one of the most popular ways people implement the GTD system is by using physical folders. And we'll touch on that a little bit later. So that's the delegate it. If you defer it, you put it on a calendar to tickle yourself. So you go to your calendar and you put in a reminder that, hey, reminded that you need to go to the doctors, you need to get a dentist appointment or whatever. And the other option with deferring it is to create the next action. And there's actually like a whole sub chapter about the importance of next actions and that most people do to-do lists wrong. That if you just put in like plan trip to Spain on your to-do list, you're not going to do it. 
like as effectively as what is the actual next physical action that you or somebody else can do? It's almost like he gives you a whole training on like how to define the first domino, you know, like what is that first physical thing that you can do to get the project rolling in the right direction? The too long didn't read of getting things done is understanding this chart. And the book is essentially describing each of these decision-making trees and what happens. And the final bit we didn't mention, one of the things that really affected me on this reading, Ian, was the approach to projects. And project management is a big theme in GTD. A lot of times when people have to-do lists, for example, they put projects on their to-do lists, like plan the trip to Spain. And that's a big project that might involve phone calls, it might involve emails, it might involve research all sorts of different things. It's not really a to-do item. And if you put it on your to-do list, it can screw the whole system up. And you do not want to screw the GTD system up, boss man. One of the questions that I would have if I was listening to this episode right now is like, well, projects are pretty complicated, right? And you don't always know what the next action is or what the next step is. And I think especially when you don't know what the outcome is going to be. So, you know, when I'm thinking about, for example, this Spain trip, I kind of know how to get to Spain because I've been there before and I know that there's like a bunch of things that need to be done. So I know, for example, that the next thing to be done is to actually, this is real life, (laughs) is to contact the uh, apartment owner and say, these are the dates that we're going to be here and this is how many apartments we need. But if I hadn't been to Spain before, I might have like a bunch of other questions. Do I need to get a visa before I go there? Sometimes I look at this chart and I think like, okay, this is cool if I know what to do or if I know what I want my desired outcome to be. That's you know part of the wood chipper. That's part of the chart, boss man. So the overall theme of this book, Ian, is like, look, it's not that hard to think about things effectively in an efficient way rather than deferring that thinking and letting the mental ram and anxiety build up. The whole idea is get rid of anxiety by... Look at your Spain trip and who cares? Make a decision. Say the next step is like, I think that I need to research a little bit more about where I could stay in Spain. One of the ways you define next actions, Ian, is you put them in different like energy or modalities. So, like, you could have like at telephone or at office. And next time I'm like at the telephone and feeling, you know, it's like during good call times, I should call Phil, I should call Ian. So, With Spain, it could be like at web surfing or at research. It's like, hey, I really need to spend 15 minutes figuring out the best neighborhood in Barcelona to stay. Right. Point I was trying to get to there is, like you said, you have all these anxieties about things, especially if you don't know how to get them done, but they're actually actions. Like there are actionable things like research if I need a visa, research the best neighborhood, research if I can bring my cat. All these things are actionable next steps. That leads you to the big step that everybody puts down on their list, which is book trip to Spain. But you can't do all these things until you get through these small actionable items. Right. And if you're really implementing GTD the full way through, you're probably going to have a folder either on your computer or in real life that says Spain trip. And within that folder, everything related to that project is going in there. And then on Friday afternoon, or whenever you decide to have your weekly review, you are going to look at that project along with every other open project in your life and business. And that's one of the most powerful steps in this book. We will get to that. But first category, Ian, let's get moving on to the categories. 
We're going to call it Half-Assed Internet Research. This is a direct rip from the Ringer's Rewatchables podcast, which I recommend. Half-Assed Internet Research, Ian. This has a 4.0 rating on Goodreads and over 100,000 reviews. I mean, this was our generation, Ian. GTD came out before the internet was really a thing. Like, it got published in 2001. The internet was really starting to, like, seep into the office. We were still sending faxes in 2001, you know? (laughs) Uh, So this was, like, really a generationally important book. And that's part of the reason we're making it our first rereadable. In fact, it coincided with the rise of personal blogs. And the amount of blogs that were inspired by GTD is incredible. There was whole communities and ecosystems focused on implementing the ideas in this book alone. I remember people actually developed pieces of software around this book as well. I even use one today. It's called Boomerang. I think a lot of... So one of the things about half-assed internet research is terms in the cultural currency, Ian. like Things like email pause, inbox zero, the two-minute rule. These things are all like from practitioners of, of GTD. They all came from this book. So this book was just hugely important. Speaking of half-assed internet research, Dan, I just want to let everybody know this is really important. As I mentioned... The version that we read, David Allen is on the front cover in a suit, a tie, a jacket, and like a very, his collar is very late 90s and so are his glasses. You can tell. Come on, man. It was just like kind of the style back then. Why I got to be so hard on David Allen, man? David Allen is one of the stars of this book. Here is the good news. There's an all new updated edition where he has unbuttoned the top button of his shirt <laughs> and he is no longer wearing a tie and his collar is appropriately tucked in his jacket as it would be today. One more thing, the half-assed internet research. I'll tell you what, David Allen has, has changed his ways. He adapted to the time. He's as adaptable as his system boss, man. You know, David <laughs> Allen built an enormously profitable business off the back of this book. He's had high-level clients. This is a book that was influential, not just in terms of its reach, but in terms of its depth. The Art of Stress-Free Productivity, Boss Man, is one worth investing in. And that's what we're doing here today. So the first category, Boss Man, and we're going to do this sort of like an award show, is the best idea in the book. The number one, I'm taking this idea away Here are the candidates. The first one is the chart. Number two is this idea of the full capture out of your head. So this idea in GTD that is, I think for a lot of people, a tough one to take, which is there's no idea that's too small to write down and put into your inbox. Oh, I think I got to like, you know, pick up some more paper towels, like put it in the inbox. Like anything that's on your mind about a project or a thing that you need to get done goes out of your head onto a capture system and into your inbox to go through the chart. The third candidate is the weekly review. This is another similar idea of in the digital age, you think, oh, there's so many things going on. How could I possibly get to everything? And GTD essentially says, Ian, over and over, you're getting to everything. You need to have a system that's comprehensive, that's not leaky. 
And part of that system is this idea that you sit down once a week for however long it takes you and you ping every open project in your life. That Spain trip, so long until you go on the trip, every Friday afternoon you review it. Where is it at? What's the next action? Who's in charge of it? Is it actionable? What should I do next, 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 next? And this, to me, is one of the enduring legacies of this book. When I first read the book, Ian, me and a small team were managing, I would say, somewhere between 60 and 90 open projects. Like, There's 60 customers out there at differing levels of dissatisfaction with what we were doing, right? Like, I mean, it was a high level of stress. And we actually considered hiring somebody simply to manage all of these projects. And by reading GTD, we processed all of the projects into a physical folder. You know, at least from my perspective, I was trying to avoid the pain of being chewed out. Because we were contract manufacturers. I mean, really, that was my motivation. These customers were mean to us. And they were really pissed when we didn't deliver on time. So these 60 like vague kind of angry clients or whatever, potentially angry clients, became 60 manila folders. And every single manila folder on a Friday afternoon would get touched. In my life, in my business, it prevented me from hiring somebody. And it really did allow me to walk out of the office on Friday afternoon saying, you know what? I got an action plan for every single open project. And I know on Monday morning what I'm going to be doing. And it really was a game changer for me. So that was a big idea in the book. And final candidate for the best idea in the book is the processing inbox guidelines. This idea that I don't think was really in cultural currency. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong out there. I could be wrong about this. But this idea that when you open an email in your inbox, when you look at an item in your inbox, that something's going to happen to it. You're not just going to go back to that thing five times and reopen the email and reread it and say, maybe now's the time I'm going to respond to it or do something about it. No. Every item in the inbox gets processed once. And I think that that was one of the most powerful ideas in the book. And of course, David lays out the plan for how you process it and how it's possible to only look at every item once. So Ian, for you, what's your vote going for? What's the best idea in GTD? Well, I'll tell you I have two. This is our first episode, man, and you're already breaking the rules, man. I can't believe it. (laughs) We've got so much overlap here. By the way, I think there was only like three best ideas in the book because it wasn't that like wide of a book. I mean, it was very focused. It was like the chart and these two or three things. So number one, close the open loops. Open loops are what cause for me and I think a lot of people the most anxiety. So I just delete most of my emails, believe it or not because they're not actionable for me. They don't make any difference to my life. They cause anxiety, delete. One of the cool things about the chart is you realize the implications. If you answer the question, is it actionable? Yes. Like in other words, if you don't delete the email, you see the downstream effects of that. Oh yeah. It's going to become a thing and it makes it easier actually just to say no, which is what I think a lot of listeners of this show need to do more of. The other thing that I'll pull out in terms of best ideas in this book, and he doesn't go like super deep on this, but I think this is worth some exploration, which is defining purpose and principles. So in defining purpose, one asks the question, why? Another book maybe we'll talk about on the show at some point is Simon Sinek. Start with the why. Another classic. Yeah. I think that's important because you know these are to-dos. Like These are all things that I've opted into, but at some point, 
maybe you have too many yeses or maybe you have too many projects. And then so you have to start asking yourself like, why? Why am I doing this? Why am I pushing all, around 60 projects at a time? I think at some point you asked yourself that question, Dan, and then you ended up quitting. <laughs> <laughs> so David really lays out for us a system how to deal with all these things that we say yes to. But at some point, you need to ask yourself why. Yeah. David actually says, you know, you can't ask why enough times. One of the things I think why GTD has endured so well, Ian, is like the polarity of the concepts in the book. It's both like super rigid and super flexible. It's both like the highest level question of what you want to do with your life and how to read an email in your inbox. The book doesn't exist in the middle. It's all about the polarities. I think that's one of the reasons this book remains useful and read today. So my vote's going to be, I, I got to vote for the chart. The chart's the best idea in the book. I, I'm going to go with the chart. <laughs> Today's show is sponsored by Ahrefs. For a lot of our listeners, Ahrefs is already your number one go-to tool for optimizing SEO search traffic results. And this year, they have dramatically improved their Keywords Explorer by rebuilding it from scratch using new technology. Ahrefs' new Keywords Explorer 3 gives users access to data not just from Google, but from nine more important search engines including YouTube, Amazon, and Bing. For SEOs and content marketers, that means you can really maximize exposure for your work or business. Pretty cool. Remember that Ahrefs is not just about backlinks. It's actually a full suite of SEO tools, kind of like a Swiss army knife of search engine optimization, something that you never want to be without. So whether you need to run a technical site audit, do competitor research, or identify high-value keyword opportunities, Ahrefs is the tool you need, something I so wish I had back in my days as an SEO. Check them out at ahrefs.com. That's Ahrefs. And big thanks to Ahrefs for sponsoring the show. The worst idea in the book, Ian. We're going to talk about the worst idea in the book. <laughs> I could tell you I don't have three for this, but I have one. All right. The worst idea I think in the book for me, and this is like one of the things that it could or could not be relevant to the time that it was written. Basically, the idea that if it takes longer than two minutes, consider it a project with the next actionable step and put it in your project's plans to be reviewed for later action. So the idea in the chart is like, if it takes less than two minutes, you just do it. I think that overall, this is a good idea, but I disagree highly with the two minute part of it. Because there's very few things in my life in the things that I've chosen yes to that take less than two minutes. That's interesting. Frankly, I'm feeling uncomfortable right now because you're questioning dogma. That's how I feel. I feel like, <laughs> dude, you don't understand. This is like, this is a rule. This is like one of the Ten Commandments and you're questioning it right now. I'm not, I'm not comfortable. <laughs> Here's the thing. I just want to increase it. I just want to increase it to like 10 or 20 minutes because this is what ends up happening for me is I have all these like small tasks and I'm like, oh, I'll just do that later. Like I know exactly how to finish them, but I know it's going to take 10 minutes. I don't mind doing them, but I know it's going to take longer than two minutes. Right. So, I mean, I think like a GTD loyalist would say, well, really what you're saying is like, you're talking about the category of tasks known as like admin or life admin. You know, I got to like update my insurance. I got to reorder my driver's license, whatever. 
it's like all that goes at like at admin. And then every other Friday you sit down and you like pump through all the admin stuff. But yeah, I feel you on that. If you're a busy person, you can end up spending your whole day doing these two minute tasks. And so I just choose to like pick a Friday for that. That's a legit critique because I get flack for this, but honestly, like it's true depending on what your inbox looks like. Even if you take like the quote two minutes and like, you know, two minutes turns into five or whatever, you could easily be spending an hour and a half a day on correspondence. And that might not be a good decision for you. You know, I think that's a legitimate critique of the system of this like comprehensive idea that like you get like a hundred inputs a day and you decide like 50 of them are worth two minutes and then the two minutes balloons and you freaking take a coffee break and all of a sudden, you know, you're processing all day long. One of the critiques I think you could make of GTD is this stuff takes glucose. Like I find it difficult to make decisions about what to do. And I, the whole book is really about making it simpler, but it's still hard. Like that's what the reason the book's important is because this is hard stuff. You know, you got to build up the habit, the muscle of processing really well. And I think that that's why the chart is such a good idea. It gives you this framework for making these decisions faster because otherwise it's really easy to get in the situation so many of us are in where you're just kind of staring at your inbox all day long. Like, man, there's all these things. What should I do with all this stuff? You know, that's the challenge that the book is attempting to address. I won't dwell on the worst idea too much. I really didn't like the natural planning idea this horizontal and vertical ideas, they didn't resonate with me. They don't resonate you know, down the line. The description of how brainstorming works is just okay. Not really the key to the book. And we could call this a worst idea. We'll get to this at what's age the worst. But you know, just kind of thinking that email is sort of the same thing as a physical inbox, I thought was a really missed opportunity in the book. And certainly one that fans of the book have taken up like and built software and applications and frameworks for thinking about how processing email is, is really a skill in and of itself. It's not like a physical inbox and there's different ways that you can treat it. Well, and I also think that that's like one of the things like when Mr. Allen had the tie on, it was like a little bit closer to reality actually. <laughs> David, we're having the new addition to the book. We want you to come back in for a shoot. We're going to undo that button. <laughs> We're going to do one without the button. <laughs> that the email inbox actually was a little bit more physical then. I mean, now there's just like so many tools and now there's so many inboxes as well. There's Slack, there's Skype, there's inbox, there's this, there's that. I mean, there's just a million different ways to get in touch with someone. If this book was written in the age of email by a person who grew up in that age, we would not still be talking about it today. I think actually that's the hidden virtue in the book is that he's talking about timeless principles. If it was written five or 10 years later, it would be all about, should you archive or delete? Should you you know, reply all? Should you carbon copy these? Like all that kind of stuff, it would have been lost in the minutia. And I think that's part of the power of GTD is like, okay, Slack's now a big part of our working lives. Text messaging, bring it on. We're going to GTD all of this stuff. Everything succumbs to the chart, boss man. All right. So what's aged the best? Our next category, what has aged the best? Here are the candidates. The first is David Allen's persona. The authenticity, the humility, the tone, the track record. Maybe some people say only the ideas count. 
But one of the things I found, Ian, by revisiting some of these classic books that you want to see where that person is 20 years later. David Allen really comes across as like a trusted advisor in this book, like someone you can really trust and who has your best interests in mind. Not someone who's trying to sell you on some story about what your life could be. Yeah, so much so that like most authors in David's position like take the opportunity to do a little bit of like bragging, right? (laughs) (laughs) David doesn't come across as like a bragger at all. Like he's just like very straightforward. It's my favorite kind of business book because there's no fluff, you know? He doesn't like tell you about the sports car that he bought after he was like optimizing his life and all this (laughs) stuff. Like it's just straight to the point. This is how you organize your ish. Yeah. And if you do a little half-assed internet research on David Allen, I think he's had a very impressive career, but doesn't bother to inform you of the details in the book. I say, yeah, his persona as an author really aged well. The next candidate is something you just mentioned, Ian, is the problem development portion of the book is superior to nine out of 10 business books. So typically speaking, business books are designed to like sell you on the punchline. So they develop the punchline for chapters. Like, here's why you need to take this idea seriously. Here's why this idea is important right now. Here's this. And they just go on and on and on. Basically, the idea is so unsubstantial that they need to spend most of the book selling you on why the idea is important. And GTD does none of this. Basically, the book opens and David Allen's like, look, work no longer has clear boundaries. I know you got a lot on your mind and I know your life would be better if number one, you had less anxiety about your work and number two, you had more clarity on what you need to get done. You're just like, yeah, I'm in, I'm good. I'm with you, David Allen. Take me on this magical journey. Show me your chart. Yeah. There's not a lot of fluff in this book. If anything, it's a little bit more of the opposite. Like, yeah, there's a whole chapter about the nuances of projects. You know? <laughs> like, so you can kind of nerd out in the book. Another thing that's aged the best, Ian, is the empowerment you feel from reading the book and implementing even some of the ideas. I remember the first time I read GTD, Ian, I read it with a team member. And it was exciting. We like sat down, we do this process he talks about in the book where he says like it takes a couple days or like six hours or whatever. It's it's kind of hard to imagine in today's digital age where things like move around so fast, like spending two days to basically inventory everything in your life and put it through the chart, put it through the wood chipper. But it really does feel empowering. Like, you know what? I'm gonna take control. Like, really, if you're listening to this and you feel anxious about your work, if you're having trouble prioritizing your projects, if you're having trouble responding to your email effectively, just read GTD on Saturday morning. I got David Allen on my side now. Like I'm going to go get this. <laughs> I think, Dan, for me, the fundamental idea of that is that tasks can be broken down into next actions. So it's just that simple. Like These big, ugly tasks that we're avoiding, that we're putting off, We just break them up into little pieces and we prioritize them and we're able to digest them a little piece at a time. It's not like putting a whole steak in your mouth. Final thing that's aged the best is the buffet of tips versus the whole enchilada, which is, again, another polarity in this book, which is you can read GTD and just implement one or two tips, like say, for example, inbox zero, like only processing once or the two-minute rule. 
or creating next actions instead of projects on to-do lists. You can just take one idea from the book and it would certainly pay for the book, but it might just make your life a whole lot better. Because again, we're doing this stuff every day for hours. But on the other hand, you could become like a GTD loyalist and have the whole enchilada. You can put everything in your life into a system and you could be that person that everybody else mocks because you're so hyper-organized. I can't wait to get to that. All right. So what's age the best for me, Ian, is David Allen's persona. I love that this guy, tie or not, is still rocking it 20 years later. It's still just as relevant. All right. So what's aged the worst? You'd expect a lot of things in a productivity book not to age so well, just because the tools have changed. So that's my first thing. I would say that a full capture inbox in today's world, this idea of the universal one place where all those papers, voicemails go, is tougher in today's world where legitimate business stuff and life stuff comes through so many different channels. So I just wrote down a few. Like A lot of people use Instagram for business. Ian, my sister does. Facebook, Slack, notes, email, voicemail, Viber, Line. There's just so many different ways that things can get their way into your inbox that I really think the book could have done more especially in the second edition, to talk about what a multivariate inbox does. And he even touches on it at one point where he basically says, yeah, like you shouldn't move your email into like your universal inbox because email has different properties. So basically his point is like, hey, have your inbox and then have your email inbox. So he already sort of suggests this like bicameral approach But to me, it follows almost immediately. It's like, okay, well, what do I do about Facebook? Or what do I do about, you know, X, Y, Z? You know, for me, when you're talking about this, like, I think that there's always actions to be done on Facebook. It's not just sit on Facebook. It's like, post my new design on Facebook. And that's actually an action that goes into my folder that I pull out on Thursday, and then I walk over to the computer and I do it. So I don't think like, for me, that's like not so much of an issue is that you have like all these inputs necessarily if you can figure out a way to categorize them. But what I will say is like maybe you should just have less things, less Instagrams, less Facebooks, less inboxes, less slacks. Because I think like ultimately like we kind of use these tools because they're novel, they're helpful in a way, they solve a unique problem, but maybe not a big problem. But we're like using all these tools, but I think in actuality it's like, you know, Dan, it's like the 80-20, right? Like 80% of the work is getting done in the inbox or on the phone. And then like 20% of it's happening on Instagram or Facebook or something like that. So maybe just hire somebody, take care of that Instagram and Facebook. You focus on the important things. Well, that's a good point. And maybe like the fact that inbox processing one at a time into zero has become a, will become a priority for you. You might actually cut down on the number of inboxes you have. So I like that. Another thing that's aged the worst is, uh, this is a big one for me. I mean, he has a whole section, Ian, about like, he makes you visualize like walking through your home office and your garage and your house and, and your office and all this stuff and like inventorying all these to-do items. And I can appreciate that. But for me, it's like, that's not why people are reading this book, you know? And he has this insistence that the setup of your home office is important. And I do think that's there's like wisdom in that. Like I appreciate David Allen's wisdom. He's basically like, hey, clean desk, good results kind of thing. But the reality is, is that a lot of people don't have desks anymore. And that the desktop virtually has replaced 
these things. And I think for the book not to acknowledge that and insist on an old school approach just misses the boat. It hasn't aged well because the reality is, is like people aren't going to live their lives. They're not going to be software developers. They're not going to work for remote companies and carry around 60 manila folders. And they're not going to like wait until they get back into their home office to like process their inbox at like their big leather chair or whatever. That's just not the future of work. And I feel like the book's insistence that those things still exist misses the boat. And a more contemporary book would address the virtual desktop and what its potential is for the GTD system. The insistence of filing things I thought was also out of date. It didn't age well. Like this idea that even acknowledges in the updated edition that like, yeah, you can like search Gmail and Slack, but like what you really want to do is like print stuff out and put it into a research folder. It's just very like old school insistence on having like this systematic approach to like research, reading and reviewing. It's just, to me, it read as old school. Like we're just not going to do that anymore. There's too much information. Dan, I want to make a, uh, what's ages the worst 20 years from now? Is that okay? Yeah. So I'm going to make a prediction. In 20 years, something's going to be off, but it's not off right now. Yes, correct. Okay, got it. (laughs) So I think what's going to be off 20 years from now is that it's still as cool as it is today to be so busy. Oh. And we're already starting to see this. Like, And I'm already starting to feel this, which is it's not that cool to be busy, man. It doesn't feel good. In fact, I think it's like an anxiety-inducing exercise to be super busy. And I think in the past, when I look at my life, the ways that I stayed busy and the reasons why I stayed so busy all the time was to like combat anxiety, the anxiety of being still, the anxiety of staying home by myself, the anxiety of not talking to anybody for a day, right? Like we try and like fill all this space so we're not alone. We're always busy. I don't think that in David Allen's book, he's proposing to stay busy, but I think in the age of the information worker, we are constantly like pushing around information and there's like endless amounts of information to push around. And therefore, we can go on endless platforms and we can essentially stay busy forever, categorizing, organizing, planning, scheduling, all this stuff. I think 20 years from now, it's going to be super cool to have like no plans. I disagree with that, but I, I see your point. I would just say it a little bit differently. Like, look, you know, you say being busy is not cool, but you know what is cool, boss man? Getting things done. You got to get things done if you want to be successful, right? What's not cool is being reactionary to all of the inputs in your life. Like you go onto a social media and you're like, oh, I should do this, vaguely thinking I should do stuff. Go to a meeting with your colleagues and they're talking about this big new thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I can't even do what my boss wants me to do. Now there's this big new project and you're just this ball of anxiety. That's not cool. That's what's going to age well about this book is the people who succeed are the people who look at all this shiz, all this anxiety, all these things that they think they should kind of do. And they ask the big question, why? You know, Why do I want to succeed in my career? Why do I want to grow a business? And then they say, those things are, are indeed important to me, so much so that I'm going to implement this system and I'm going to get shit done. That's cool. That's different than busyness which is like this reactionary thing. It's being proactive. Final category, boss man. Would this book work better in another format? Do you think that GTD would be better delivered as a YouTube video, as a interactive seminar, as a podcast, or do you feel like the book was the appropriate medium for this message? 
Yeah, I feel like the concept really needs to be in a book, but actually what I could see it being on, Dan, and what I wrote down is a two-sided laminated card. Really? Like a placemat, basically. Yeah. So like you have the chart on one side, you have some of the principles, you have some of the theories, and you just like flip it over. You keep it on your desk. Maybe you keep it under your keyboard. It's just like a reference. You know, I think that's actually really interesting that you bring that up because it really speaks to the power of the book that that's what a lot of people did with the book. You know, they didn't create seminars about productivity or whatever. They actually created tools. So there's a lot of notebooks. There's a lot of software applications, laminated charts. Like people have made more sophisticated GTD charts if you search for it on the internet. So I think that's like really a testament to the power at the core of the book. So that's getting things done. We got this thing done. I hope you enjoyed the first episode of the Readables podcast. What did you think about David Allen's classic, Getting Things Done? Has it affected your life or business? Let us know in the comments. This one's going to be posted at tropicalmba.com slash GTD. And if you like this series and you have a request for the next Readables, let us know in the comments. Maybe even we can let people know what book we're going to do next so that everybody can read it before in advance. And uh, this can be a thing we do regularly on the podcast. Thanks for joining me, boss man, and picking up a book. This was a fun one. This was a fun one, boss man. Thanks everyone for listening. We'll be back next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.